Welcome to the Crushing Cashflow Podcast, where we share phenomenal advice and dozens of decades of wisdom from investors and entrepreneurs of all types and all stages of their journeys. We'll cover many forms of cash flowing assets, such as real estate, stock investing, entrepreneurship, and general finance guidance. Listen in and learn from those who are crushing it out there, as well as those who have been crushed by business or their investments. Now here's your host, Andrew Shutsky. Welcome back to another episode of Crushing Cashflow. I'm your host, Andrew Shutsky, and with me today is Bernard Reese. Bernard is the founder of Reshore, a firm specializing in leveraging a number of tax advantage vehicles for investing, including self-directed IRAs, IRAs, and other means, which we'll get into here in a second. Prior to founding this company, Reshore, Bernard served as a director of Cometrics Partners, managing an array of engagements involving financial consulting and due diligence. Fun stuff there. Bernard advised owners of closely held middle market companies on advanced tax mitigation strategies. Uh, really brief summary and bio for many, many years of experience. So welcome to the show, Bernard. Thanks for joining us. Andrew, I'm excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. So tell us first about Reshore, its mission, and kind of what are, the, what are we going after with that company? Yeah, the mission is really to empower people to manage their finances on their own independently. I'll give you the context. As you mentioned, prior to starting Reshore, I was working with owners, very ultra high net worth folks, and they are just bombarded with folks that are selling them tax tools and tax strategies. And I was brought on board to like something that's rarely done, but to be like a third party to really analyze these things. Um, you'd be amazed, but your typical CPA, even if they're working with the clients that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, they know how to follow taxes. Uh, but if you come to them and say, hey, here's this tax strategy, they're following their gut or Google. Um, they're not actually looking at the documents of the strategy and then consulting tax code and regulations. Uh, so my role was to actually deep dive on this stuff. And I realized that these guys were always being pitched stuff that the folks selling it either didn't know the nuance or weren't disclosing it. And so all they hear is like, hey, just do this strategy, sign up here, pay us $50,000, and you're going to save $3 million in taxes this year. Uh, but when you take a deeper dive, you realize that's not the whole truth. Uh, and there's always a lot of risk associated with it. And there's really a void because nobody is providing, filling that gap. And what that led me to is realizing is that overall, and the broader financial market is dominated by folks that want to sell something. Um, and the real solution is I can't educate everybody about every strategy, but I can empower people and I can put you in the driver's seat. That's really the goal. And so the first thing we did was we launched the self-directed financial retirement account service. Um, and what we do there is something really unique. We don't just sell the paperwork. We actually integrate it with the expertise. So there are so many different types of retirement accounts that can be used for real estate. But the question gets to be really, what is the best thing for your profile? Because there is no, people all of a sudden are always asking, I want the best one. There is no best one. Sure. Um, if you're talking to folks that promote self-directed IRAs, you're going to hear about SDIRAs. You're going to talk to folks that promote qualified retirement plans. You can hear about QRPs. But really, neither one is better than the other. The question is going to be, what fits your profile best? Sure. 
So back to Rashore for a minute, you know, what's your target customer? Is it, you know, the working professional? Is it only high net worth individuals, a mix of everything? Or tell us more about it that. It is everything. People don't like hearing that. People want to hear. But the truth is we want to impact people. And one of the, we did realize that, yes, our bandwidth is limited. We can't work with everybody one-on-one. And that's why we launched a membership space, uh, which I showed you a moment ago, because we really want to impact people, not necessarily work one-on-one, but we want people to become discerning consumers of financial and tax products uh, so that they can know, all right, if somebody comes to me and pitches something, all right, these are the questions that I have to ask. Uh, This is how I can determine who is really a straight shooter and who is perhaps not shooting so straight. Uh, So we want to touch and impact um, everybody, because this is prevalent, this is pervasive. Um, every area of the financial realm has folks that are committed to helping you and are experts and folks that really just want to kind of sell and make some money. Sure. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, I thinking about, you know, a lot of our investors that we network with on a regular basis come from a couple different categories, you know, like myself, there's some that work a W-2 job, have a regular source of income in addition to um, real estate, and they're doing that on the side. And maybe you know, depending on your age bracket, you're still far away from retirement age like myself, or you've got a lot of a lot of folks that are close to retirement and they're going to depend on that source of income more than a W-2. You know, I know there's no magic bullet like you mentioned, but maybe with those two profiles in mind, what would be your guidance for each of those? Yes, it's let's try to break it down into the concepts that are at play. And, and it's a really important question as well, because you'll also have the segment of people just to mix things up a bit. Folks that say, I never use retirement accounts uh, because I want today money. I don't want tomorrow money, right? That's something you hear a lot. Don't use IRAs. Don't use 401k plans because you can't eat it today. And that's fair. Um, if you're thinking about like some, let's say my pro- type of profile, if you're going to exit your W-2, <laughs> you need to replace that source of income and it can't, you can't wait 20, 30, 40 years, right? Exactly. So that, that, might be, that might be the situation. And that is valid, right? But it's, it, what you'll find is are folks that are going to go out on social media and on podcasts or someone to say, never use retirement accounts. It's this foolish thing because it's tomorrow money, not today money. But the more nuanced way of thinking about it is, yes, if you need that money to eat today, right? Then you need today money. But for once your wealth reaches a certain level, now it's about being smart. I don't, I, I don't even like calling these retirement accounts. It's not the way I view them at all, right? I view them as just a section of the tax code uh, to be utilized when appropriate, right? So of course, if you've got what you need to eat today, now it begins to think, all right, what do we do? How do we beat the tax man? Um, and how do we grow our wealth? And the benefits of using tax-sheltered vehicles um, can be millions and millions of dollars over time. Certainly, when you're looking at decades of compounding tax-free, that is huge. So there are potentially millions of dollars at stake here. Uh, But of course, if you need to eat today, then this is not for you. Just like it's not for you, somebody that's got to eat today doesn't put their stuff in a trust that they can't access, right? You got to have the tools that are appropriate for your goals. Uh, so let's talk about now the two profiles that you mentioned. The folks that already kind of financially set um, and they don't need to use the retirement account for retirement versus the folks that actually are counting on that to fund their retirement. So one thing that you got to think about if we're going to pursue real estate 
you have to think about your time horizon uh, because uh, the thing about real estate is it's not very liquid. So you may be able to grow wealth um, you know, exponentially, right? But if you're going to need that money and the liquidity all the time. So if you're counting on the retirement account to actually live off, you have to think much more about liquidity issues. Uh, so retirement accounts, for many people, actually, that's where they have the longer time horizon because the money is kind of locked up. That money is designated as tomorrow money. Uh, so whereas sometimes, you know, you go into real estate deal, which may not exit for five to seven years, Typical. Uh, you know, with your, the money that you're got kind of in taxable accounts, you want that accessible and it may be more liquid. But the money that's in a retirement account is money that you're not going to be spending anyway. Uh, that's not your plan. So you can put that in real estate and be at the same time, though, if you're getting older, once you're getting to be kind of 60s, approaching retirement age, self-directed retirement accounts uh, force you to think long and hard uh, because now the liquidity is going to make a difference um, for two reasons. Number one, because of required minimum distributions. So that's a tax thing, tax factor. But secondly, you actually want to take those distributions to pay the bills. Uh, in contrast, the folks that are not counting on that money to pay the bills, uh, it, they have so much more flexibility. Time horizon really is not a factor. Uh, and for them, it's more about thinking about estate planning, perhaps. Uh, do you want to use a traditional pre-tax account versus a Roth account? Uh, so it's longer terms. So I think the key thing is for folks that are counting on the money versus not counting the money is time horizon. Uh, that's really what you got to think about. That makes a lot of sense. So let's let's break it down a bit further. I mean, can you explain what you know? First, what is a self-directed IRA for those who don't know what it is, and then how can a you know traditional real estate investor in either of those profiles leverage that? Yes. So retirement accounts, including qualified plans, which are four hundred one k plans, defined benefit plans, profit sharing plans, all those, as well as IRAs, which is your traditional IRA, your Roth IRA, SEP IRA and even HSAs, which are health savings accounts, uh, can all be self-directed. And we say self-directed, we mean really self-directed. Uh, you can put the money into just about any deal, any private asset class, any investment that you'd like, from real estate to crypto, to tax liens, to notes, uh, precious metals, kind of whatever rocks your boat. Um, there are almost no exceptions. You know, Very, very small list of stuff that you can't do. Uh, so of course, real estate is the most popular application um, of self-directed accounts. Now, how do you use this? The first question is always to determine which account is going to be best to your profile. Uh, so it may be there are a lot of factors to consider. That's step one. Uh, step two is getting it set up and getting control of the money so you can put it into the deal. But once you actually have control of the money and you have the retirement account set up so that you can put it into private assets, um, it gets to be really, really easy. Uh, it's just, when you write, when you you sign the deal docs, uh, you know, let's back up a minute. There's something called checkbook control, right? So you can have a. Is that are you familiar with that term? Yes, I am. But so you can I guess have a self explain for our listeners as well. So <laughs> yeah, so um, self-directed retirement accounts do come in two flavors. Two flavors. Uh, well, because you can't get it at Charles Schwab or a Vanguard or Fidelity. Yeah. Um, right. It's got to go through a specialized service provider. Now, some of those service providers are structured so that they hold your money. 
and they sign off on every transaction. And an alternative way to structure it is to have what's called what's become known as checkbook control, which gives you the money in a bank account uh, while still retaining the characteristics of a tax-sheltered retirement account. Uh, so certainly, if you've got the money, if you've got that level of checkbook control, uh, you can you just do the deal docs, right? You got a deal, you want to put the money in, you want to buy a property, uh, you just do the deal docs just like you would if you weren't using a retirement account. The only difference is when you sign the docs, you're representing an entity. It's very much like using an LLC, right? If you sign, you invest in an LLC, right? The, your title may be LLC member or manager. Uh, so same here, you'll be signing off on the documents as the LLC manager or a trustee of the qualified plan trust, but it really looks exactly like real estate investing looks outside of a retirement account. So it sounds complex. It sounds intimidating. Uh, but once you go through the process once, it's really smooth. Now, I've only done the you know traditional equity trust. And a lot of my uh, investors, all of my investors that have done that route have gone through an entity that where they retain checkbook control on the, you know, the company side. Is it a lot more restrictive or a more of a hassle to set it up for yourself? Because it sounds like the transactions would probably be, be processed more quickly because, you know, God knows in our end. Some of them could take a week or two weeks or three weeks to get processed and the paperwork and all that. Whereas have, writing a check or doing a wire transfer is a lot faster. So what are the downsides of doing it yourself and maintaining that checkbook control as we call it? Yeah, there are pros and cons. So interesting enough, we used to have a almost like do solely checkbook control, but we've transitioned more to being advisors in helping people set these up. So we integrate the setup uh, with... Um, the, the expertise. And the checkbook control, there's a lot of myths out there. So the companies, the equity trust, for example, they will not allow checkbook control. While there are, there are about 50 custodians in the space, uh, there are two that will not allow checkbook control. Uh, equity trust is one of them. <laughs> and, what they, and what they will tell you is uh, they will try to scare the wits out of you about getting checkbook control. Now, there are two possible reasons to hesitate for getting checkbook control. Uh, one is, is the structure acceptable from a legal perspective? That's number one. Um, interestingly enough, in all my interaction with equity trust, that's not what they're saying. What they are saying is, is if you have control of the money, you're going to break the rules inevitably. Uh, so that's, that's their angle, is that you can't be trusted with the money. Uh, the reality is Checkbook control is not for everybody. Um, that is true. But there, you have to take what the custodians say with a grain of salt. Uh, because, Andrew, if I were, you, well, how does the custodians, how do they make money? What's their business model? Charge any, a fee. Any, any, Charge a fee? So there are two. Yeah. Th yeah so that's not actually it. And, and making, that's what you making see. Making interest in your money, I'm guessing. Exactly. That's yeah. where the real money is. Yeah. That's where the real money is. Not the fees. <laughs> so you see the fees now so the two sources of revenue are fees and the bigger one is making money on your money right so if you think about it they want it they're sitting on a lot of money across their client board base and they don't want checkbook control means that they are giving up their biggest source of income Right, no more earning money. You have the money in a bank account, not them. That's a fair point. 
And secondly, it gets harder to justify fees, right? Because they aren't doing anything. What exactly are they charging you a fee for? So, right? They get to nickel and dime you for wire fees, expedite fees, transfer fees, all sorts of fees. But if you're doing the wires, they're not doing anything. All of a sudden, all that nickel and diming goes away. So if the custodians are opposed to it, uh, not again, not to say that there's no merit to that, but you got to take that with a huge uh, block of salt. Yeah, that's fair. So this is cool. We kind of covered the primer of you know, there's there's so much more to get into here, but we kind of covered the primer of different vehicles and a couple different profiles. And this this is only the tip of the iceberg, right? So clearly, there's a lot more for our listeners to learn. Uh, so then, I guess the last and final question for me would be. How can listeners get in touch with you and your firm to learn more and to engage and educate themselves? Yeah, I love the way you asked that question because <laughs> our goal is to educate people and to get people before they actually get these accounts set up. Uh, we have a service, right? Because we're the very, one of the very few tax pros that are in this space. Um, it really is a niche area and it's dominated by companies that just set up, sell documents, essentially process paperwork. Uh, and so we get to work with a lot of people that have got it set up and they come to us after the fact and we're cons- doing a consulting service. And then we're like, no, you didn't do this right. Um, you should have done it. There were smarter ways to do this. And the difference can be tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, between doing it optimally or suboptimally. Uh, so we really want people to be aware and educated uh, at 401kcheckbook.com. We've got webinars, we've got podcasts and nothing salesy. All substance, all substance, lots of substantive stuff, no salesy talk. And then we've got the membership space, free space, people to access. Um, and we're, we're really out to open people's eyes uh, so they can see the broader picture. That's members.reshorefinancial.com. If all else fails, you can Google Bernard Reese or Google Reshore Financial and you'll find great stuff. Fantastic. Well, thanks so much for joining and breaking off just a little bit of knowledge. Like I said, tip of the iceberg, but lots of good meat here. It's a, it's a, it's a primer, I'll call it, right? You can never cover decades of knowledge in 20 minutes, but uh, it's a good start. <laughs> yeah, Andrew, thank you for having me. Uh, I love sharing the value and the information. Uh, it's been great. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening in with us for another episode of the Crushing Cashflow Podcast. We have a small favor to ask of all of our listeners. Please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Each subscription and rating will help us massively toward our goal of helping reach as many listeners as possible each week. Thank you very much once again for listening. We're thrilled to have you with us as part of this journey, and we can't wait to share more of these stories with you. Stay tuned for much more to come.